0: Look, I did my best to stay away from this thing, but if you care about culture and you care about the truth, you got to address these things. So here's my response to the Rittenhouse trial. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to subscribe, don't forget to like, and then don't forget to share this video with friends. It'll be a huge help to us. Now, I only wanted to weigh in right now on the heels of this Rittenhouse trial because I feel like there's something that I have to offer that's a little bit different, but then also to... A perspective that I think needs to be heard. So before I jump into any of that, I want to first of all let you guys know that we are sponsored by Element Funding and the Kevin Blair team. Now I love the guys over at Element Funding because not only do they care about the things that you guys care about, they care about... Uh, supporting great content like IndyThinker but they also care about you as a customer so they've got great customer service and you can even go online online right now and see if you pre approve for a home totally free so go on check out your buying power whether you're looking to refinance or whether you're looking to get into a new home this is a great opportunity to do so before interest rates skyrocket so go to kevinblairteam.com right now and see if you can pre-qualify for a home okay Now, the other thing I want to do before we go any further is I want to just kind of give a recap because here's the other reason that I wanted to jump into this story. I find a lot of the people that I associate with kind of have this mind-numbing effect towards things that are going on in the world and the culture. And so they kind of just tune that stuff out, especially if there is an abundance of opinion on the subject. And uh, I, I kind of get that, but I also think to myself, like, Christians need to be the most informed people on the planet, and that's specifically kind of the people who uh, are in my camp, right, and the people that I talk to a great deal, are people who come from a faith perspective. And so they often, and I think this is an error, I think they often tune out things that are important to the culture, right? And then they say, well, if it's important to the culture, it must not be important to to God, right? So let's just focus on other things that, that the world's not focusing in on. And, and I think that's an, an issue because the reality is is the aches and pains of our society are being revealed in the things that people say are important. Now, they may not be important to us. I understand that. But we as Christians cannot afford to just merely focus on what is important to us and miss what is important to other people. The other thing I would say about this is that Christians also have the tendency— and people in general too have the tendency to just say well let's just focus on the positive like right let's not let's not look to the negative let's focus on the positive the problem with that is this is that focusing merely on the positive and forgetting that the negative exists is, uh, is is problematic to say the least. Now, the only way I can think about this is as a dad. If I merely tried to focus on the positive when my son falls on the ground, scrapes his knee because he was doing something, wasn't paying attention, shoelaces weren't tied, whatever, I'm not doing my son any favors to bend down with his knee bleeding and say, hey, let's think about all the good things that you did today that, that didn't make you bruise your knee up and cut your knee up. I'm not doing him any favors if I don't bend down, love him, put a Band-Aid on on the issue, address the issue, and then also try to help him realize, hey, you got to tie your shoes so that this doesn't happen in the future. So addressing issues is vitally important. So I think it's vitally important here that we do the same thing, that we not pretend that we're exhausted with news or we're exhausted with things that are going on in the culture or pretend that the culture wars don't matter when they actually do. And I believe that it finally came to the point where I was just tired of listening to all of these things, but also wanted to weigh in a little bit just to provide, I think, a redemptive approach, hopefully a redemptive approach uh, compared to what I've heard about the Rittenhouse trial. So before we do that, let me give you a brief history of what took place, stretching all the way back to Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake was a black man that had the police called on him for a uh, domestic disturbance. When the police arrived, Jacob Blake resisted arrest, went for a knife in his car, and for his trouble, the police shot him. Now, there was a whole lot of hubbub about all of this, but it's indisputable that Jacob Blake was going for a knife in his car that was in his floorboard and was shot by the police as a result. Uh, and the uh, The case was so clear cut that there were uh, charges that were brought against the police officer in that shooting, but they were immediately dropped. So it didn't even go to trial because the police officer was deemed uh, justified in shooting Jacob Blake for uh, for him being armed. So uh, as a result of what happened with Jacob Blake, however, there, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin became a kind of another hotbed of riots and looting in the wake of the George Floyd. Some of you will remember this, but uh, there were multiple nights of unrest. They had to put a curfew in in Kenosha, and there were people rioting, looting, uh, destroying buildings, lighting them on fire, right? You remember the mostly peaceful, fiery, but mostly peaceful protests. And, uh, and so as a result of that, there were some other citizens. They called themselves concerned citizens. You can say what you want to about them, but they were not violating any laws uh, that came into the city who were armed and were there to quote unquote defend uh, property and to offer medical assistance. This is where Kyle Rittenhouse comes into the, into the equation. So he shows up on the scene. He comes in uh, to, to do those stated things. And, of course, that night is when some things start to go a little haywire. The police are pushing protesters away from uh, the main square and down the road. And there, Kyle Rittenhouse finds himself now as these protesters um, are uh, moving further and further down the road by the police. They are now converging with a group of people that are now armed and there to defend the city and to defend businesses. Uh, So there's a a lot to say about that, including whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse should have been there in the first place. He wasn't from Kenosha. What was he doing there? Was he just looking to try to shoot people? The reality is, is Kyle Rittenhouse did not break the law any more than Gage Grosskreutz did by being there and being armed. So let's just be fair about that, that there were armed people on both sides of the aisle here, uh, both sides of the protesting line, if you will, uh, who, who were there who were potentially creating tension and who were armed so None of that, by the way, breaks the law. So, uh, needless to say, at some point in the night, Kyle Rittenhouse is running through the street, and at that point in time, Joseph Rosenbaum starts to chase after Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, this is a person who had already threatened to kill Kyle Rittenhouse and kill multiple other people, had also accosted other people, and uh, had said, sh- you know, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. Shoot me, Shoot me, nigga! And uh, Joseph Rosenbaum had just been released from a mental institution because of uh, mental health problems. And when he ran after Kyle Rittenhouse, you hear a shot in the ear. He throws something at Kyle Rittenhouse. I believe it was a hat. And then when Kyle Rittenhouse turns around, he says that Joseph Rosenbaum tried to grab his gun. And at that point, Kyle Rittenhouse shot him four times and Joseph Rosenbaum died. Now, when he goes over to see if Joseph Rosenbaum was dead, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is then surrounded by other people. He gets a little afraid, and then he runs down the road. When he's running down the road, there is a group of people, rightly called a mob, that chase Kyle Rittenhouse and say, let's get him, let's get him, among other things. All right. And so uh, this is where Anthony Huber comes into play. Anthony Huber comes in with a skateboard, smacks Kyle Rittenhouse with it, also tries to grab his gun. Kyle Rittenhouse shoots him. Uh, Gage Grosskreutz comes in at that point in time. And this is the guy who was shot in the arm, tries to grab his gun and, um, Sorry, doesn't try to grab his gun. He is grabbing his own gun, and it is clearly pointed in the direction of Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, there's been some dispute here from what you hear on the mainstream media, so I want to be really, really clear here. In the trial, which is what matters because Grosskreutz was under oath at this point in time, he says that he was pointing uh, his gun down towards Kyle Rittenhouse and not that his hands were up in the air. So you're saying that you actually didn't, you weren't pointing your gun at him. Is that what you're saying? That's absolutely what I'm saying, yes. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. So, just want to be really, really clear about that. So, Kyle Rittenhouse shoots him, hits him in the bicep. The two men prior died, Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum. Grosskreutz was just wounded in the altercation. So that should bring you up to speed with why this trial is even taking place in the first place. So I'm going to sidestep the verdict. I know that's all the rage, and I know that's what everybody wants to talk about. But I want to talk about something else. I kind of want to respond to people who may ask the question, why are you even talking about this Rittenhouse case? Or why do you seem to maybe want to side with Kyle Rittenhouse? Because there's a lot of dishonesty and a lot of talking points that, quite frankly, have been stoked by by the media. And I find that, just quite frankly, that people don't really think for themselves. And, and we're dedicating this channel to thinking for yourself. And so when the media is uh, incentivized by a certain narrative and, and then there are other you know, kind of maybe even emotional talking points that, that uh, especially people in my camp, in the Christian evangelical camp, fall susceptible to because they feel like compassion demands a certain response uh, because they think niceness is a commandment. I think it's so important that we address some things that have been discussed surrounding this trial, trial, so I want to respond to those things. So I've heard people say this. How can you in any way defend what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse? He's a white supremacist. And I'll be honest with you, this is the thing that I, that I do not understand the most. I had a, a, a person, an acquaintance, I'll say, that I went to school with that later went to Princeton Theological Seminary because I hang out with Ivy League peeps. That's what's up. I'm just kidding. I don't at all. Anyway, so he went to Princeton Theological Seminary, and this, this jewel of an individual posted a story when this trial first started, and, and this is what it said. It said, this white supremacist, basically, with a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse, this white supremacist is eating a hamburger while black people are lying dead in the street. Now, first of all, I have to say, so now all of a sudden you progressive leftists who go to Ivy League uh, Christian schools who believe that social justice is akin to the to the gospel, you 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 don't think that people should eat if they've been accused of a crime. So I'm like, I'm really confused about that angle, like they no longer should have the ability to eat a hamburger. But then the other thing that I'm really super confused about is... I don't understand how this trial has anything to do with white supremacy at all because the last time I checked the three people that were shot by Kyle Rittenhouse were actually white and one of them the whole night was shouting shout me inward had just been released from a mental institution was a pedophile was chasing Kyle Rittenhouse while shots shots were being fired into the air Kyle doesn't know where they're coming from he turns around the guy tries to grab his gun and then Joseph Rosenbaum was shot I mean white supremacy. I, I don't understand what we're talking about. And I think this is the real point. We either trust the justice system or we don't. And I'm going to give you reason to believe that even those who are protesting, rioting, and looting are not really doing so because they don't trust the justice system. No, they, they're they either one after a narrative or two, they're being led astray by people who are after a narrative. So let me give you the proof positive for that. Ahmed Arbery, how many of you have actually been listening to, hearing what's going on with that case. And if you don't remember that one, that case is simply about a man who was jogging down the street and then was shot by uh, two white men in that city who were trying to apprehend him and stop him for absolutely no reason. Okay. Now, again, there's so much to, to this, but I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that because I think that that's the, the, the basis of the case right there, that they had no right to do what they did and certainly no right to take that man's life. Why aren't the uh, activist wing of the media and why aren't the activist wing of the Black Lives Matter organization going after this? Well, here's why. Because almost undoubtedly, assuredly, these men are going to jail, rightfully so, and going for a long, long time. See, it doesn't match the narrative. That's why they're not talking about Ahmad Arbory. What they want to do is they want to try to make you have doubts and suspicions over the social justice or, sorry, over the criminal justice system, forgive me. And, and they want to do that by finding a case that inevitably is going to be uh, adjudicated where a white man gets off, but gets off because of the evidence. And, and so they want to find a trial that doesn't, uh, that doesn't match their narrative, and then they want to try to spin that thing as hard as they possibly can to make it about that thing. But it's clear that that's not what it's about. All right, so I got to move on. The second thing. The second thing is this, is that I hear people say, you as a Christian. And I love the pearl clutching stuff. You as a Christian, how can you support this the deadly use of force against these innocent people? And so, first of all, I have to say to that, that is the most dishonest framing I've I've ever heard. Um, these guys were attacking Kyle Rittenhouse, so I'm not so sure that they're innocent. But more and more I find this all the time that people try to frame what they're talking about dishonestly and then want you to accept the premise. You know, it's like the the people who who say, I'm gonna be really honest here. And and I'm going to be taboo breaking with my honesty. I'm going to be brave here. And then all they want to do is sit there and complain and whine. And there's nothing brave about that, LeBron. uh, Anyway, so the point there is that, first of all, that's dishonest framing. Second of all, um, there were people there that night with guns. Now, if you're a pacifist Christian, I don't know what to do other than to encourage you to read the scripture, to read the Bible. And then Christians, you know, throw up Romans 13. Well, you're supposed to be subject to governing authorities. You know, These are the same people who bow down and worship Anthony Fauci and others like him and do whatever the government tells them to do. Uh, Romans 13 is, 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 is actually a verse of scripture that you could use to encourage what Kyle Rittenhouse did that night prior to the shooting. He showed up. He was obeying the law. He showed up with a gun, which is actually within keeping of the law. Because I have to also tell you and remind you, remember Gage Grosskreutz, same guy that showed up with a gun? Yeah, he was on the other side of the protesting line, but he showed up with a gun too. So he was practicing his Second Amendment, right? Just like Kyle Rittenhouse was. So a lot of people object to the fact just that Kyle Rittenhouse was there and he showed up with a gun. Uh, It's not illegal. So he did nothing wrong. And he did, by the way, what, the protesters were doing that night, Black Lives Matter protesters. I don't hear anybody decrying those guys because you can watch video clips where you'll see Black Lives Matter protesters with AR-15s just like Kyle Rittenhouse, strapped around their shoulder and everything. And so they're doing the same thing Kyle Rittenhouse did in terms of practicing their Second Amendment right. Now, the the third thing is that, oh, and, and I have to say this, uh, practicing their Second Amendment right, and, and I have to say this. So they're in keeping with Scripture, actually, Romans 13. Uh, There's been some discussion about the law here and that the judge has circumvented the law. You know, of course, this is the guy with the Trump ringtone because he has a song that that Trump liked when he was in office. Could have been a coincidence. I know a lot of people like songs that other people like. Nonetheless, he's also been castigated as racist because he made fun of the supply chain. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. But nonetheless, uh, the judge has been castigated because he threw out the gun charge, you know, right before the jury went to verdict. And so he threw out the gun charge based on again, Romans 13, the law. You may not like the law, but the law states if a minor has a long barrel gun and he uses that gun, that he cannot be charged with a gun crime. Now, if it was a short barrel gun, he can. If it's long barrel, he can't. So that's the law. The gun charge was thrown out legitimately. So then the third thing is this, and I think this is the most important thing, is the discussion has been, well, is is Kyle Rittenhouse a hero or is he a villain or are these guys instigators or innocent that were shot? And I'm just going to tell you my take on this. I don't think it it matters. Now, obviously, it matters that that people lost their lives and our hearts certainly go out to those families. But I don't think it matters in the sense of of what takes place in this trial as it affects our lives. We're talking about this. The only reason I wanted to talk about this is because I'm not going to pretend that there's anything specific to this trial necessarily that is really important to me or impacts my life, except for by extension. So I'm going to just be really direct with you and tell you, I think the the only evil people here are not kyle rittenhouse and it's and it's not these guys that were shot I, I don't think they're heroes or evil perhaps i think it's much more gray than we want than we want to suggest but i can tell you who the evil people are right now uh, as it is pertaining to this story it's the media because the media throughout this thing has tried to do the best they can to stoke racial animosity just like they did in 2020 the media has tried to do the best they can to paint this as something that has to do with white supremacy when it has nothing to do with white supremacy. And here's why. Because outrage sells, outrages all the rage these days, and the media knows if they can convince you that this has anything to do with some type of racial disparity, that people will click, people will watch, and it's the only thing they have because the legacy media is so awful. Imagine if you call for, um, for black men or just black folks to be armed and go out in the streets and, you know, do what they think, justice, take it back, remember and what they did to you and slavery, whatever, go and, and take things. And do, Imagine if people were condoning that. CNN's Chris Cuomo said, show me where it says protesters are supposed to be peaceful. Um, well, I'd point him to the First Amendment where it says that you have the right to, quote, peaceably assemble. He should go back and read the Constitution. Um, there are many others out there, like Don Lemon, saying that rioting is a mechanism to restructure our country. They know it dries up ratings and then they're willing to do whatever it takes to do that. It's all about the money. So follow the money. And I hate to say this because it awfully sounds cynical, but I wouldn't say it if it weren't for the fact that we already saw what happened in 2020 and how racial riots and looting were stoked by the media. And I would think they have learned their lesson, except they keep on doing it in this Kyle Rittenhouse trial, which really is only about self-defense and has nothing to do with race in America. And the second thing is this, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter in the wake of this thing has been exposed consistently. They've been exposed as a Marxist organization. They've been exposed as an anti-family organization. They've been exposed as a pro-abortion organization. And they've been exposed as a organization that is interested in burning down the systems of America, not because of racism, but because they want to place a communist utopia in its stead. So I just have a question for you. Are racial tensions better in America since the Black Lives Matter organization and movement? Are we better racially speaking as as a community uh, since Black Lives Matter? Now, I know there's already people who are going to stand up and say, well, Reed, this is because uh, sometimes things have to get worse before they're ever better, and sometimes progress is messy, and and when you expose things like this, this kind of stuff is going to happen. Yeah, that's true in some cases. In this case... These guys have already been exposed. They're not interested in doing anything else other than subverting the American system so that they can replace it with a communist utopia. Our patience should have run thin already with the kind of talking points the media is doing and then the kind of talking points that are coming out of Black Lives Matter. No justice, no peace. In other words, what they actually mean is give us what we want or we will destroy stuff. It is the kind of behavior that is only perpetrated by infants and immature adults that have yet to grow up. The reality is is that you need to judge BLM not just based upon its implications, but also its application. Everywhere it's went, it has made things worse. All of this is done pretty much in the name of Black Lives Matter. And maybe you disagree with that. But I'm just going to say this, when you look at statistics like this, one third of of people under the age of 35 want to abolish the police. One third of millennials approve of communism. Enough is enough. Especially if you're a Christian, you cannot endorse this movement any longer. We cannot endorse anything that creates such tension and such upheaval and such destruction in our city streets. This is the kind of stuff that makes people like me think your Marxist organization is absolutely achieving all of its end goals of destroying the system we're a part of so that you can replace it with communism. I mean, if that's not true, then why are we allowing this stuff to take place? Okay, so at the end of the day, I think we just need to be really, really honest about this Rittenhouse trial, and I think we need to move away from the talking points of whether or not Kyle's a a hero or not. Sure, talk about self-defense. I think that's a valid thing. More importantly, let's all talk about the world we want to live in. The world that Black Lives Matter is creating is not the world that I care to live in. And, and it's making things objectively worse. Now, maybe you agree with me, maybe you disagree with me, but let's at least agree upon this simple premise. Mob rule is bad for all of us. It subverts the criminal justice system. It doesn't help it do its job. And it's actually pretty good at what it does. So you may not like the verdict. You may not be happy with it. I wasn't happy with the OJ verdict. If it doesn't fit, You must acquit. That is not reason to take to the streets, destroy stuff, or to try to create upheaval. I think we need to get back to true morality. Not feigned outrage, not moralistic, uh, you know, grievances and indignation, but true morality. And again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I know no way of getting back to true objective morality other than going to a true objective source, going to God and to the scripture to truly help us understand what that looks like. So that's my thoughts on that. Love to hear your respectful comments below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks for watching. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reid Huberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.